With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. And what's up? Welcome in. It is GC Live. Wes Mitchell here. Chris Clark. Tuesday episode of the show brought to you, as always, by our good buddy Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. 803-771-6933 is how you can get in touch with Clint. Chris, man, I got to tell you, I am a constant uh, like Zillow watcher. I'm always like looking, seeing what houses are available in the area. Um, I'm no expert on this stuff at all, but the interest rates are like steadily going up, up, up every time I look. So, um, yeah, if you're in the market for a house, uh, again, not expert advice, but give Clint a call. He is an expert and, uh, don't wait, uh, would be my advice right now. Um, and, and chat with somebody like Clint just to, to see what's available for you out there. Cause you want to get in in case the rates keep on going up. You can do that. 803-771-6933. Again, welcome in. It is GC Live. I am Wes. He is Chris. Man, we got we got a lot going. Uh, Gamecock Nation on edge a bit, as you would expect. Um, reports coming out yesterday from uh, loads of national media folks that South Carolina has inched ever closer to officially making Lamont Paris their new men's basketball coach from UT Chattanooga. And... Um, it's been interesting, Chris, uh, you know, and, and you and I usually more focus on football in this show. We're going to get to some football, but uh, that is the topic of the hour right now. And um, it, it'll be interesting to, to see, in my opinion, assuming, um, you know, e- everything ends up being made official, how the fans react. I know how a lot of fans are reacting right now, how they react after the introductory press conference after they start to see what the game plan is, um, you know, once they start to get a feel for the guy, um, because right now there is that that vocal group that um, th- does not seem pleased. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, you, you said a mouthful there. Um, yeah, and, and look, man, I mean, I think you can look back at the events of the past few days and certainly – word that we've used a lot i feel like we always adopt these words on the show so the one the one i'm going to throw out there that we're probably going to talk about a decent amount is optics and say the optics around this search where you've got some national media people even putting out tweets that sources say the mess is the the search is a mess or is discombobulated or 
you know, you see some candidates dropping off or some candidates, uh, you know, taking Matt McMahon, taking the LSU job when they've got the NCAA dark cloud lingering over them, the, the BJ Mackey situation where he rises up and there's a, there's a thought that he is, and not even it's more than a thought. He was a legitimate candidate gets passed over. Um, just the optics to the situation, I think have some people very frustrated, um, particularly when some other coaches spurned uh, South Carolina for this job. I do think there's going to be some settling of this, Wes. I think you, you brought up a key timeline or point of whenever this thing, you know, would eventually get to a press conference situation. I think people will listen to Lamont Paris. He's a pretty level-headed, even-keel guy from what I've seen just in some of his media opportunities. And I think he'll do well in that setting. And I think you're going to see a little bit of settling then where people kind of like the uh, one of our loyal listeners, watchers, just said there, people will get behind him and settle down. Now, are some people still going to be mad about the search, be mad at Ray Tanner? No doubt about it. I think that will persist. And then ultimately – the on-court results. I mean, that's what matters more than an intro press conference. People do care about that stuff. It does matter. They are going to make some snap judgments based on that, and I think that'll be a setting that he would do well in. Um, but, yeah, it, it has been, man, what an interesting – we were talking about it before we came on. Very interesting past few days in Gamecock country. No doubt. And I, I do think um, you will see a – I don't want to say a vast majority, but but maybe a vast majority of people, even the ones that are upset right now uh, with the process and with how it's played out, um, start to have the reaction we're seeing in our chat right now, which is um, you kind of if you are a fan of the school, um, you you almost I'm not saying anybody has to do something they don't want to do, but um, you kind of have no choice but to try and support the higher once, you know, once it is made, because uh, I don't think, you know, I, I get there's this fan sentiment when things have gone bad um, on the court. You know, there's a fan sentiment. Some, some, some people fall in that category of, I'm not going to spend my money and show up to send the message that the on the court um, product isn't what I want it to be. Right. Like some, and you know, and some fans have that approach of like, I'm gonna I'm gonna be there. It's not my place um, to make those decisions. Even or even if I want there to be a change, I'm gonna be there regardless because it's my team and I'm gonna support them. Well, guess what? It it it's not. None of this is Lamont Paris's fault. So it really at this point, if it gets to the point that you're three years in and you're just not happy with what's going on, then certainly, you know, you can express your, your, your anger or, you know, even your, you know, I'm not saying it has to be some, we're in 2022. It's the year of the transfer portal. Like I get it, but until you see something on the court that you don't like, it's very counterproductive. Once this thing settles to be against your head coach, in my opinion, like I, I get during the process, the frustration, believe me, like I understand, um, you know, but I, I think what, once it gets settled in, once there is a press conference, um, you won't, you don't want recruits seeing all the fans don't even believe in it, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's not something that's very helpful. And I think some fans, 
trying to put myself in that situation, Wes. They feel a little stuck because they're they're very frustrated at the products, not even just product products in in USC athletics, and they want to support the student athletes. Um, some of them don't want to support necessarily the coaches, depending on the sport right now, right? Because of how things are going, but certainly with a new coach. I don't think many people are saying I'm not going to support that guy because I didn't agree with the hire. Most people eventually when it settles, when the emotion settles down, like you said, good point, they are going to support it, but they kind of feel stuck in that they have seen this movie before number one, and they've seen kind of very publicly this process play out where there are some candidates out there that seem to be higher. South Carolina does not get those candidates for whatever reason, to come to South Carolina, and there are different reasons on all of them. Um, and then it kind of falls, so to speak, to this candidate. And and then you put the Mackey thing in there too, and that kind of complicates it and frustrates people a little bit more. Um, then you look back and say, well, Frank Martin, you know, the results weren't there lately that people wanted. One tournament in 10 years is not good enough, and you understand that, but you say, is this better than Frank Martin? Like, I feel like some people are, are kind of stuck there where if there's not an obvious upgrade, did we, we being University of South Carolina from a fan perspective, did, was the right move made? And I see, so I think people are stuck between wanting to support the team, wanting the team to perform well, wanting the program to be very good, but also sitting there going, at what point do you vote with your wallet? Like you're saying. You know, and, and so when, when is there going to be change? When are these things going to be improved? So I think that's why we're sensing so much frustration in the fan base. Yeah, no no doubt, man. And, um, you know, you get over, I, I think, to the baseball side, it was almost it was almost a footnote of this past weekend that South Carolina got swept at Tennessee. And, and Tennessee is a, a great team. You know, and we, we talked about this yesterday, Chris, but um, – once everything settles on the men's basketball side, um, focus will shift back to to baseball. And what do you find over there? Even you know more frustration in the fact that you're playing such a difficult schedule. Two, um, it, it, it's a tough it's a tough hole to dig yourself out of. So I, I think um, you know Michael's point here: the most of the negativity is not necessarily right at, uh, you know, Lamont Paris, you know, and, and I, and I, I think I agree with that, but at the same time, he's going to be caught up in that, um, you know, by, by default basically. So I, I think, um, it's going to, it'll be an interesting next few days. You know, we'll see exactly what happens as far as South Carolina making this thing official and see what happens with the fans and how they react. I think with, with anything, Chris, I have always noticed uh, when emotions are high, it's kind of a different reaction than once things settle down. And there, there is actually, I don't think it was near like this. There was, especially early on when Shane Beamer's name was being mentioned for the job, there was a lot of pushback um, on that idea as well from some fans. Now, some fans were on board with that from the very beginning. And then I feel like you saw it steadily sort of grow um now i think the issue chris in my opinion is when when fans have their doubts on a hire early on they 
even if they get on board and they're like, well, I'm going to support this. I'm going to be a good fan. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can to help support the program. The sort of window there, like the, the honeymoon period, it, it, it's kind of, it's much shorter if things go bad. And the kind of, I'm trying to think of the best way to say it. The, the lynch you'll go to like give some grace or explain away some things or be like, uh, you know, ah, it's, it's, it's early. It's only year one. It's only year two. I feel like, and, and I hate to like compare the two, but if it's BJ, if, if it would have been BJ Mackey, I do feel like there would have been some grace given to a former player in that people are going to be like, it's his first year as a head coach. You kind of know there might be some growing pains along the way. I, I think what it does, it just, even the people who are like, oh, I'm going to support it, it just ramps up the pressure to win right away as opposed to this being a two or three, four-year, quote, rebuild. Yeah, B.J. Mackey would have had a longer runway, like, to go find success mm-hmm. because he's not – he's he's one of the members of the Gamecock family. People know, like you said, not only the inexperience factor in that he's never been a head coach, but just he's a Gamecock. There is, in my opinion, as opposed to somebody with no ties to the university – and especially somebody with no ties to the university, it's not like a household name, you know. I mean, Sean Miller is a household name. People know he came from Arizona, um, et cetera. There's a, a link to your track record. There is that longer runway to go find success where, especially if a guy is doing some good things early. For instance, I mean, there was a thought that B.J. Mackey could come in, maybe patch up some in-state recruiting, have a, have a, a good shot at some of these guys that are out there then people can see, okay, even if he struggles for the first year, first two years, as a transition, some guys are probably going to leave the program. Um, There's work to do. We know that. This isn't a plug-and-play basketball situation at South Carolina. When it's an outsider, quote-unquote, and and again, that's no fault of Lamont Paris at all. It's just the reality of the situation and that, in my opinion, he or some others comparable to him are going to be under more pressure to win quickly. Because, again, just on its surface, I think that's the case. Some people are also going to look back and say, okay, we had Frank Martin here, and most people could agree the results weren't good enough. I I think everybody could agree that, right? The results weren't as consistent and as good as they needed to be. But they're going to say, let's say this team struggles for two or three years. They're going to say, we dismissed Frank Martin. He wasn't doing great, but he's pretty good, solid most of the time. I think – that can be problematic for you. So uh, the pressure is on. And again, no fault of Lamont Pierce, but he, he is, he does know what, you know, he's signing up for, I'm sure. Yeah, he, he does. And I I thought, I thought Chris, uh, I'm going to sort of direct everybody to go check out Jamie Shaw's article. I I thought he had some interesting stuff. Um, Three, this is on on three three things Lamont Paris should do to hit the ground running at South Carolina, and um, I, I won't I won't give it all away, but I'll, I'll give you all the headlines here. Um, he said, uh, "A recruit current players to stay," which I think in in today's college basketball world, really in today's college athletics, um, 
there's always a little bit of a pressure on your administration if you make a coaching change to try to move fairly quick because guys can transfer out and, and leave you so quickly. So the, the really, I would say the day one um, thing is that you want to try to connect with what is now your new players, uh, the current South Carolina players, and see where their heads are at. Uh, who who are the guys that are like, I'm, I'm a Gamecock, I'm sticking around, this is where I want to be regardless. Who are the guys that are like, coach, I'm out, and you have to start to maybe try to convince them otherwise. And who are the guys that are that are sitting on the fence? I would dare say this is not talking about any information I've gathered or just um, any specific guys. But Chris, you would you would think that today's age, just because it's so, it's so much more popular to transfer, you're going to find guys more on that fence um, than they would have been five years ago, ten years ago, certainly. So that that's got to be probably. The, the first priority, like I, I don't, I don't know if Jamie meant this in this order, but um, he has, he has that first, and I, I think it probably is first. Second, sit down with Julian Phillips and Gigi Jackson. I think you're looking, you know, in my opinion, probably at a long shot w- with those guys. But, but with, I mean, with Gigi, he may be a 2023 guy. Like it was never completely um, confirmed or never solidified that he was going to change to being 2022. So. You might have some time there. And um, then uh, third, sit down with Columbia's basketball community. I, I thought that was the thing when, you know, when when Darren Horn got to South Carolina, and I'm going before Frank Martin um, because I, I think Frank Martin was more of like, hey, th- this is an established coach coming in. Darren Horn obviously was a mid-major coach coming in, had a really successful sort of quick run there, uh, I guess, use that to bounce his way into a power five job. But Chris point being Darren Horn, you always hear reports like never really tried to connect with the Columbia community. I will expand that out and say the greater Columbia community. And then beyond that, the South Carolina community, Um, all three of those things are going to be key because as we've talked about, if, if the guy can get the in-state players to stick, then you can have talent at South Carolina, but it, it the, it's just a big if because it's been very difficult for guys to uh, sort of find that magic blueprint to make that happen. Yeah, and, you know, the in-state recruiting question has been one that I think everybody's trying to solve. And out of the knowledgeable people I've talked to, t- talked to about that situation, you never get the sense that it's just one thing. It is kind of a complex animal to where – um, let's even go to Frank. And I, and I think a point that Jamie made in that story, if I'm remembering correctly, Wes, is that it took Frank Martin a while to become kind of part of the Columbia basketball community. Then you go back and look at the, certainly the in-state recruiting track record under Martin was not wonderful. It, it certainly was not. Um, in terms of the guys that they ended up landing, there was a lot of talent that went out of state. There were different reasons on a lot of those. Some of them, you could argue and make a good argument that they were out of the control of Frank Martin or USC. Some of them, you could make a really good argument that they were in their control and that they didn't do a good enough job on some of those situations. So I say that to illustrate that Lamont Paris is coming in with a clean slate. He's not going to have a bunch of ties in the Palmetto State. He will be an outsider. 
But for me, it's all about what kind of job can he do once he gets here? Because that's going to be an important part of it. This state uh, has a lot of basketball talent come through it. You need to be able to get some of those. You don't need to get all of them. You can you can build your roster through the portal, through out-of-state guys, which is a lot of what Frank Martin did. You can do that. But you need to keep the really good ones at home. And I will remind you that Frank Martin's lone NCAA tournament season and a Final Four run featured a couple guys who were Palmetto State natives and P.J. Dozier and Cinderius Thornwell, who are really, really good. So uh, that will be important. And to your point, Wes, about – current roster composition being paramount. We saw that with Shane Beamer. He talked about it a lot. We talked about it a lot. It was a huge priority, especially because he he was coming in at that, you know, COVID. I mean, recruiting was still shut down. You had a guy who was very close with their former coach and Will Muschamp. There's some of that here with Frank Martin and some of his players for sure. It's paramount to be able to keep key pieces of your roster in place. So it's going to be, uh, you know, the first few days – First few hours, heck, probably on the job for a new basketball coach at South Carolina are going to be filled with, I think, a lot of a uh, lot of activity. Yeah, and I uh, Nathan actually just typed uh, exactly what I was thinking about in the chat. Um, my final point here on basketball, Chris. Um, you know, and and I'm not going to sit here and name names or tell you I have any idea what that should look like, and you know, pretend, but. Um, Nathan's point right here, his comment is that the staff that Paris puts together is going to be sink or swim. I agree a hundred percent, man, that, that the more you're around athletics, the more it seems like you're, I don't want to say you're only as good as your staff, but certainly the staff you put around you is um, monumental in deciding if you're going to be successful or not. And I think Chris, that's where you have to look they're, they're going to have to be some guys, in my opinion, with some ties to recruiting this area. Some guys that are going to give you, I would say, some credibility with these in-state folks, with the just the, the basketball community here to say, look, get, give my guy a chance. Give this guy a chance. Um, here's what he's all about. Um, he's a great man. He, you know, just whatever, you know, however that person feels about Paris, it always helps when it's somebody that has built trust in those communities to be able to say it. And uh, I think that's, that's what opens the door to, you know, to a GG, uh, to a Julian Phillips, to, um, you know, any of your, your highly recruited guys down the road. Um, there's going to have to be either, either it's a, a big enough name assistant. That's like a former coach that just everybody knows, or Chris, just a guy that, uh, or multiple guys that have enough ties to this area that it gives him instant credibility. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, a- outsider coming in doesn't not deep rooted in the state doesn't have ties. You know, will he hire any coaches that have ties to the state? We have no idea yet. Don't even know his philosophy on that. He may be planning that. He may be not planning that. But what what will be key is, I think, just building those relationships, Wes. Even if. Um, you know, some of the Columbia community, whether it's coaches, former Gamecocks, what a lot of them have liked to see B.J. Mackey. There is no doubt because he either played with some of them or he knows a lot of them. He's an Irmo guy. He played at South Carolina, spent time at Charleston Southern. There are deep relationships there. But I don't I don't think that nobody's going to give Lamont Paris a chance here. But it will be about 
staff, as we know, Wes, I mean, recruiting is about a couple of things at, at its core relationships and work. I mean, you just have to work at it. And I think some of those in-state recruiting failures that I mentioned from the past, yes, some of them probably out of South Carolina's control. The ones that were, I think sometimes you can tie it back to those things with effort or just missteps or whatever it may be building up and building up quickly. Those relationships in the state are going to be key, but they're going to have to go be resourceful too. They're going to have to go get some out of state kids. It's probably going to be some kids transfer. They're going to have to work the portal like you did at Chattanooga. It might have to be a combination of all those things. And, and yeah, I, I think great point there. The portal was a huge key to what they did there. A huge key to their success. And, um, It'll be interesting to see if there's anybody on the Chattanooga team that, um, you know, ends up hitting the portal as well and maybe ends up being available at South Carolina. So uh, that's all I think we got for today on basketball. Going to shift gears here to football. Before we do that, I want to tell you about our newest sponsor. It is the tax team at Liberty Tax here in Columbia. You can overcome your tax anxiety, 803-462-5576. Want to give a shout out to Larry and his team for being a sponsor of GC Live right now. Uh, They've got locations in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia. That's 1123 South Lake Drive in Lexington, 7467 St. Andrews Drive in Irmo, and then 551 St. Andrews Road in Columbia, 29210, locally owned and operated. They have virtual income tax prep or in-person tax prep with a professional, and they are open late and on weekends this time of year to get you ready leading up to April 15th to make sure that your taxes are handled both efficiently and professionally. Again, 803-462-5576. Appreciate Larry and the tax team at Liberty Tax here in Columbia. Chris, Shane Beamer speaking today. Uh, Much different mood, I would say, on the football side. Um, Beamer smiling, happy, seemed to be in a good place. Um, I think he's, you know, and I don't want to read too much into it, but I, I, I gotta think, man, year, year two of anything you do, I'm not even talking about something as high profile as being the head football coach of an SEC football team. Year two, there's just such a different comfort level in just about anything you do. I almost feel like Shane Beamer exudes that right now, man. Like there, there is a comfort level. There's an excitement. Um, I think he he knocked on wood. They haven't had injuries uh, really that as far as that are going to be serious long term injuries either. Um, that's always a key in, in spring practice. So what uh, did, did anything stand out to you about the beginning of week two press conference from Shane Beamer this afternoon? Which you can go you can actually go uh, see full notes from it from Colin Taylor on GamecockCentral.com. Well, I think what you said there definitely stood out to me and just um, he's having fun. There's a high comfort level. Everything's, you know, pretty positive. And I think he was pretty fired up about how some certain things in practice have, have gone. Uh, one thing, and, and he's referenced this multiple times, um, just the it seems like it's cleaner on the offensive side. Uh, he mentioned that they are going into year two, and that was a big priority is, is having some staff continuity. Now, obviously, not everything was good. Uh, especially on the offensive side, defensive side too, special teams. But Carolina's carrying over all those schemes. And so there does seem to be more of a comfort level on the part of the players and on the coaching staff and just continuing to learn each other. Um, Beamer mentioned that. I mean, just just learning the kids 
their different personalities, their different needs, you know, how they need to be coached, how they need to be loved on, whatever it may be. So Beamer seems upbeat. He seems happy, you know, about how they've done with not having nearly as mental, many penalties, as many mental mistakes, um, and just the accountability of the team. Uh, he seem, he seems very happy with those things. So, um, you know, staff continuity um, seemed to be a, a pretty big thing. They've had a you know little turnover, uh, but he seems pretty happy with all that stuff. Yeah, and staff continuity is something we you know we've mentioned before. Um, it seems like that you you, ne- you never you, you never have complete control of that, right? Like sometimes sometimes you're going to lose guys. That is the nature of this business. But we've seen some coaches prioritize that. Some coaches maybe have a little bit more aggressive, like, you know, we're we're gonna if it's not if it's not happening, we're rotating this guy out of here like this. So uh, I think staff continuity, based on what he said publicly today and some some rumblings we've heard, um a big part of, of Beamer's overall plan. And then, you know, of course, if something's not working out, you you adjust and and make the necessary moves that you have to. Uh not again, not not a whole lot just like newsworthy. Um, he said Jaheim Bell sort of confirmed Jaheim Bell has a hamstring issue, said that, um, you know, it's not necessarily a situation that's going to keep him out for all the spring, uh, kind of a day-to-day situation as most hamstrings are. You're you're kind of constantly nursing it back. You want to see how quickly you can get back without pushing it too far. So otherwise, uh, bumps, bruises, other guys with hamstrings, stuff like that. Beamer didn't name any other names on the injury report. So relatively – actually in, in really good health, all things considered for South Carolina through four practices. Um, Beamer said he loved the intensity, loved the physicality so far, and lots of prospects, at Chris, as we've said on Gamecock Central, lots of prospects on campus. He was happy with that. Uh, Cam Pringle checking in today, big-time offensive tackle, four-star guy, class 2024. Um, Mazio Bennett, uh, Brand new four-star guy. I think we always knew he was going to be a highly recruited, highly rated kid from Greenville. He's now a four-star on on three. He was in at practice today as well. And um, it, it was it was kind of interesting. We at, was asked about quarterback and when they were going to name a starter. Didn't give a timeline, but um, he, he literally was like, you know, Rattler's taking all the first-team reps. Um, you know, obviously, they're still limiting Doty as well, but it, it kind of – it, it it almost again maybe I'm reading in Chris, but just watching his reaction, um, it, it was almost kind of like like all right guys, like Rat, Rattler's going to be the starter, you know? Yeah, is, is that kind of the vibe you got. Oh, for when, sure. Yeah, he, he, the way he answered it, <laughs> he announced it without announcing it. Yeah, I mean, he he kind of ended what he said uh, with "It is what it is." <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. he he stopped short of saying Spencer Rattler will be the starter. But it's pretty evident that that's what's going on. And look, no surprise there. I mean, that's what we've been saying. When a Spencer Rattler transfers into your program, he's he's going to play. He's going to start, especially in South Carolina's situation. So it is what it is. I would just echo what he said there. Yeah. Um, any anything else stand out to you, man? I, I thought I thought it was interesting. Um, and to be completely honest, I'm, I I read the final part because I was writing up that Jaheim Bell injury report. I didn't hear it, but just coming from from Colin, I I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Maybe a spot we haven't talked about as much would be that 
that edge slash defensive end spot. Like, you know, Beamer, at least from the quotes, he sort of said it like, look, those those guys know that Enigbare is gone. Those guys know Aaron Sterling is gone. Um, and those guys, in this case, being Jordan Strong, Jordan Birch, I thought it was interesting, Enigbare at Pro Day, um, being asked about those guys, he basically said, look, that's that's one of our more talented areas on this team, and, you know, in Enigbare's opinion. So now, though, you're taking that that talent, that upside, that ability, and now you're being asked to go out and be, for both of them, to be the man at your position, not just fill in, not just be a rotational player, be the, the leaders and, and the, the productive guys at, at those positions. Yeah, the, the days of, uh, you know, 20, 30 snaps for those guys are over. It's time for 40, 50 snaps and, and to be the starters. And so we know both of those guys, the Jordans on the bookends, they have Jordans. a lot of physical talent, you know, and they have shown that in flashes strong at Georgia State and at South Carolina last season. And, and Jordan Birch, I mean, scoop and score in practice today. We saw that you know, last year in a game setting. And we've seen some other plays that are, you know, he's pretty eye-popping physically. But it's one thing to have those flashes and to do it on a limited basis. It's another thing to go and do it on a consistent basis against really high-level competition. And to, like you said, be the man. So uh, those guys need to continue to develop. And aside from that, Wes, again, because they're going from reserves to the starters, now you need to bring along the next crop to try – to back those guys up and be able to give you those 15, 20 extra snaps a game. That to me is a concern. You know, the depth there, they've got some guys, but they don't have many guys that have played a lot and have, and that have played at a high level. So um, that's the spot that needs to continue to develop. They really, I mean, lack of a better term, but it's reality. They struck out, you know, on the recruiting Mm -hmm. trail with a couple top targets at the edge positions from the 2022 class. So um, that's going to be an important area with the competition that they play. Yeah. And I, and I think um, you, you really want to start to get concerned, then start looking past this year too. I, I think absolutely critical for South Carolina in recruiting for this class, not to have the same thing happen. Like to, first of all, you've, I, I hate when people say, oh, you have to land this guy. You have to get that guy because ultimately it's up to the kid. It's up to their that person's decision. But getting a Montague Rames from right here, right down the road, you know, in Sumter, massive first early recruiting battle for Sterling Lucas as a South Carolina coach, you know, as the edges guy. Um, I think they probably were getting ahead of ourselves. You may be looking portal again next offseason at that position after obviously adding Terrell Dawkins this year. Um, Beamer was complimentary of Dawkins. You know, I, I think we've, we've all heard some some good things about him. I think he probably, as expected, settles right in as, as that kind of third guy in the rotation. But I, I think once you get past that, Chris, that's when you really start to ask questions about what what's it going to look like, who can – who can sort of slide in as a, as a fourth guy they can count on. And, you know, man, I, I think looking in the secondary as well, we, we've talked about, we've talked about safety, but, um, you know, with, with David Spalding out at nickel and Carlin Splatel gone, then, um, you know, you, you really have 
I, I would say, you know, I, I'm sure they'll get spotting back at some point, but you do have some concerns so far from what I've heard, Chris. They've kind of been running their three corners, their top three corners out there. Um, so Cam has really played a ton of nickel. And then you've had Marcellus Dial and Darius Rush a, as your corners. And that actually probably is a very good look. Like th- those guys can play. But the problem with that is usually Dial is sort of your third corner. If you do that, they're all in the field at the same time. You start to just, I think, depth issues there, depth issues at safety. So I think we're all, we're only one week in. You can kind of start to see already what are the areas South Carolina on paper should feel pretty good about. What are the areas on paper that you probably start to – you can already start to maybe see what the concerns would be or that you're saying they can ill afford to have injuries at those particular positions. Yeah, and Gamecocks did, you know, bolster the defensive back ranks with the 2022 class. They did sign a pretty good class there, but um, one of them, uh, you know, two of them actually, Peyton Williams, Anthony Rose on campus. Others will arrive this summer, but these guys haven't played, you know, yet. Positive that they'll be able to, particularly Rose, I think, with his physical tools, Mm -hmm. maybe they can come in and give you something. But um, the fact that you do have that lack of depth at the nickel does force you to move some stuff around so it can affect safety. It can affect your corners. I agree with you. That is a good look. Cam Smith can cover. He's a, a physical guy. So a nickel spot is good for him, but he's also played corner and been very effective. So um, you would like to add some more depth there and until further notice until they can get that nickel spot situated, figure out safety a little bit more. You know, those spots are going to be concerns. You, you have Reed and Roderick at safety, but RJ Roderick has been thrown around as potentially playing nickel too, um, if needed. And behind those guys, again, a, a situation where you don't have a lot of depth. What do you think, Chris, about a guy like Ken Nelson Jr.? Like, is that, is that someone you start to maybe circle? And, and obviously, we'll say this ahead of time. It's never really that ideal to just be circling freshmen and hoping, especially ones that aren't here for the spring. I want to make that clear. He's not here yet. So, But he's the guy I look at and say, of the guys who aren't here, maybe is going to be in the best situation to, to potentially come in and help. Possibly. And the, the interesting thing about him is, you know, he could be, he could probably play any of those spots with safety nickel corner. When South Carolina recruited him, it was kind of, you know, start him out at corner, right? But just from a physical standpoint and his size, he could probably play anywhere. So I do think he's one of those in that DB class from a talent, from a size, a readiness standpoint. He's probably in that upper echelon along with Anthony Rose, obviously, who will go through spring. Um, but again, always tough to tell with a freshman, particularly one who doesn't get to go through spring practice. Yep. So we shall see, man. Uh, but, but certainly some, somebody's going to have to play. So, uh, you know, either that or, or maybe, maybe some of these young guys that are already on campus, uh, you know, Ladarian Craig, I mean, he has some physical tools if he can take that step forward and, and show that, that, you know, he, he's ready to be the man. So certainly something to keep an eye on throughout the rest of spring practice. Uh, good point there from uh, from Jason. Uh, it was interesting that Beamer did mention Rashad Amos during the press conference and mentioned running back in the same line of thought with the way they looked at tight end last year and saying, you know, we want to do some things to get, get these guys on the field at the same time. I, I thought that's 
that's maybe one of actually one of the more interesting little nuggets we've heard this spring regarding their approach to uh, to the offense, changes to the scheme, and, and, and stuff like that. I'm sorry, Wes, I totally lost you on that. Could not um, hear you. Yeah, so the uh, the the mention today from Beamer that they look at running back this year, you know, as being kind of along the same lines as tight end last year, where they were saying we got to get two tight ends on the field. Uh, mentioning basically they've been looking at ways to get two backs on the field. Uh, I, I thought that was one of the more interesting things, interesting nuggets we've gotten this spring that wasn't just like a vague. Um, you know, we want to do this on offense. It was a more specific, like, interesting note about their how they're tweaking this scheme a little bit. Yeah, true, and and some guys with some different skill sets there. Um, you know, you just kind of go down the line of the running backs, and you don't see, like, I don't really think you see any, like, clones of each other. You know, so you got Marshawn Lloyd. You've got Rashad Amos, a bigger guy. Now he can run, but a bigger guy, Lavoisier Carroll, who looks – almost more like a receiver DB, right, And who's playing running back. And obviously Christian Beal Smith, who has more of like a Kevin Harris-esque style, not as not as bulky as Harris, but has more of that style. And then Juju McDowell, who can do a lot of different things for you uh, as well. So, I mean, it's an interesting group. I know we saw last year, just thinking back, we did see South Carolina do some like two-back stuff a little bit. We saw some – direct snaps to the running back where they didn't, you know, maybe hand off the ball to another back, kind of some Wildcat-esque stuff. So that might open up um, things for that. Or, or a Juju McDowell, certainly, you think he could play in the slot. Lavasse Carroll maybe can do some stuff like that for you. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, it, that's what offense is about. Find a way to get your best players involved and get them the football. And so South Carolina, they lose some guys that were really versatile and could play – you know, had a lot of production for them, but they've also got, I would say, arguably, they've got more guys that can do that this year. So it will, it will be on the staff, you know, to find some ways to get those guys involved and running backs, one of the spot where they, they have some. Yeah. And uh, South Carolina continue or Marshawn Lloyd continue to say that he is uh, feeling the best he has since he arrived at South Carolina, which is certainly a, a good sign. And I, you know, I've, I've, again, I've said it multiple times. I've, I've felt like Christian Beal Smith, Maybe just my favorite to to win that job, but so far it sort of feels like Marshawn Lloyd, um, just based on the little bit of practice time we see, is doing everything he can to hold him off in that that RB one spot. Uh, fully knowing they're going to play at least two guys, and then sometimes a third. All right, I, I think that's all I got uh, for today, Chris. Um, what about you, man? Yeah, sounds good, man. Good show. Appreciate everybody being here again on GC Live. Lots going on on GameCockCentral.com. I mean, tons of content, football recruiting, football, obviously hoop stuff. So come on and visit GameCockCentral.com. Yep, and I uh, saw somebody asked about Corey Rucker, the transfer wide receiver. Um, he is indeed on campus for his official visit. Um, from what he told me, he will be wrapping up on Wednesday, so still a little bit of time to go there. But um, we will certainly effort trying to get a reaction from him. Um, not sure yet if he's going to take any more visits after this or if that will be it, but Gamecocks certainly trying to make a run at him and, and bring him in as another weapon on offense who can maybe play right away. So, all right, uh, check us out, GamecockCentral.com. We'll be back later this week on GC Live. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see you then.